everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. We're almost there. And America is kind of coming to a halt. I mean, Christmas is Sunday, and yeah, things are winding down. You're looking at the beautiful campus of West Point, of course, our nation's premier military academy, at least one of them. They've been around for a couple of centuries, and right now the academy is totally empty. All of these cadets are back home, as they should be. Um, it's deserted. And while it's quiet, while nobody is looking, they're going to take down everything that refers to the Confederacy, that mentions General Lee, one of its graduates, the one graduate who graduated without any demerits. It will all be erased because, well, that's the world we live in right now. West Point moves to vanquish Confederate symbols from campus, and that concerns primarily General Lee. The commission uh, recommended that Lee Barracks, Lee Road, Lee Gate, Lee Housing Area, and Lee Area Child Development Center all be renamed. Okay, because, yep, they're all going away. Now, General Lee, of course, was the commanding general uh, for the South during the Civil War. He was a graduate of West Point, and here his portrait was unveiled 70 years ago. That portrait will be taken down. I think it's in the dining hall right now. This, of course, in my opinion, is absurd. Uh, we can't erase, we shouldn't erase our history. And folks, okay, you want to say that Robert E. Lee was a bad guy? He certainly was on the losing side. I'm so glad the Union won that war, right? We hate slavery. We despise slavery. But it was there throughout the world. This is getting nuts. And once they're done with the generals and the presidents they don't like, they're going to come after, they already have, the Bible. So in the Holy Bible, you remember the story of Joseph, right? In the Old Testament, Joseph, his brothers, they were jealous, pushed him in the pit, then he went to jail, had one rough time of it, and then finally the Pharaoh was like, you're a good guy, Joseph, I want you as my right-hand man. Joseph worked with slaves. Joseph may have ordered slaves what to do. The next step is they're coming for the Bible because of slavery. It's throughout the Bible, along with a lot of other things. I think that would be really bad, don't you? You know, senior leaders are supposed to be smart. They're supposed to see the long game. We don't have smart leaders. This man has not made much of a name for himself, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin used to know who the Secretary of Defense was. Household name famous, right? Not this guy, because he's very mediocre. And he's still conflicted about America. Still seems to think it's a systemically racist place. There's probably not a job that I had since I was a lieutenant colonel where some people didn't question whether or not I was qualified to, to take that job. It's the world I live in, and, and I'm sure that the other officers that you talk to would, would probably say the same thing. There's not a day in my life, David, when I didn't wake up and think about the fact that I was a black man. I would go someplace with my staff and we were wearing civilian clothes. Somebody would come out to meet the, meet the general and I wasn't the guy that they walked up to. All right, he's the Secretary of Defense. When he was in the military, he wore four stars and he complains about systemic racism. That doesn't make sense to me. Why would he join a military to defend a country that's so racist? And by the way, those people who come out and think the other person might be the general and not you, 
That doesn't mean anyone's racist. That means this country has serious problems that have not been addressed. All right. Barack Obama talked about him back in 2008, but we can't do that anymore. We just want to count how many faces are black, how many faces are Asian, how many that kind of nonsense. It shouldn't matter. By the way, one of my favorites, Ben Carson, he told me once that he had to deal with this. Ben Carson was a brain surgeon, one of the very best in the world. At one point, he may have been the only black brain surgeon in the world. And people would see him and he'd come into the room and they thought he was maybe a nurse. They thought maybe he was an orderly. And when they found out he was the doctor, they were so apologetic and he laughed. And he told me, you know what? They felt so bad. He would make a friend for life. And he understood. It's not their thinking or their bias. It's the reality of the world we live in. It would be great if there were more black brain surgeons, but there aren't. It would have been great if we had more of a lot. Does that make sense? I hope so. But back to our military, they're just hung up on it must be somebody else's fault. It must be those white supremacists. The truth of the matter is, we need your help. I'm talking, of course, about extremism and extremist ideology. I also want you to share with your leadership your own personal experiences with encountering extremists and extremist ideology in the military. Wow. What a great big fat waste of time. But it's very fashionable right now, of course. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. So this has turned out to be a huge distraction, and it's damaged national security. The Pentagon has a lot more serious things to do. There are only so many hours in the day. Yet, we've cluttered it with all of this other stuff that's not making us stronger, not making us more secure. You know, it was hard enough being in the military before this woke craze. Landing on an aircraft carrier is hard. Soldiers, sailors, Marines, they need to be focused on these basic skills. Firing artillery batteries, that's hard stuff. It takes a lot of coordination and a lot of practice. You don't want too many timeouts to undergo diversity, equity, and inclusion training, all right? Uh, climbing off of a fast boat into a helicopter, that stuff is hard. The woke stuff is time-consuming, and it's unnecessary. It really is. And I do believe this is one of the reasons why America is declining, why we lost in Afghanistan. It was a, a horrible loss. And nobody ever talks about it anymore. It's just like, well, that's what we do now. We, uh, we aren't, weren't as great as we used to be, and we're just going to accept this. Pretty amazing. You know, Secretary Austin and General Milley, they're very conversant when it comes to issues of uh, gender and race and sexuality. But when it comes to that war they lost, humana, 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 humana. So it sounds like you're saying this depends on diplomacy with the Taliban. That's it. That's our only option, is getting them to agree to do this. Well, let me add something here, Helene. Um, we got a couple of uh, entry control points set up, um, a north one, an east one, and a, and a, and a third one at Abbey Gate. Uh, they're currently manned with consular uh, yeah, officers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just try to throw some military jargon around. Uh, <laughs> 
We blew it. They blew it. You can tell they have no real good answers. They had none. But you know what? The press really wasn't pressing all that hard. It's fascinating. Joe Biden can come in and blow a war, and that's okay. Donald Trump, what did he do? You know when he really lost the confidence of the mainstream media and a good chunk of the woke military brass? When he came out and very reasonably said that the military is no home for transgender people. He did it in a tweet. After consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. Uh, also, our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. Thank you. That's totally reasonable and actually quite mainstream. All hell broke loose. Remember this guy? Today, the president of the United States looked American soldiers in the eye and dared to question their patriotism, their courage. He doubted their commitment to their brothers and sisters in uniform. He said that our military couldn't or wouldn't stand for all of us. To the thousands of brave transgender men and women serving today in uniform, please know that a grateful nation does not take your service, your patriotism, for granted. You deserve better from your president. You deserve better from your government. You deserve better from your country. <laughs> it was so moving and so silly. I think that's a Kennedy, by the way. Is that one of the Kennedys? Yeah, that's one of the Kennedys. Um, a total overreaction. What Donald Trump did was totally reasonable. Just ask some people who served. Actually, one of the most famous people who ever served, Colin Powell. I know he went woke crazy and endorsed every Democrat he could at one point, but here he is when he was active duty as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Back then, gays in the military was the hot issue. Where did he come down on that? But open homosexuality in units is not just the acceptance of benign characteristics such as color or race or background. It involves matters of privacy, human sexuality, that in our judgment if allowed to exist in the force, would affect the cohesion and well-being of the force. Wow. Maybe we should uh, take down all of his statues. <laughs> uh, take down anything named for him, right? I mean, how could he have such an attitude? I do think that gays should be able to serve in the military, heterosexuals. It doesn't really matter what your orientation is, but I don't think we should make a big deal out of it whether you're straight or gay. Hmm? Sound reasonable? Who remembers the movie Full Metal Jacket? Great film. Uh, <laughs> in part, inspired me to join the Marine Corps, actually. I know that's kind of crazy. Um, this is a classic image from the film, from the movie poster. The Marine Corps officially, during Gay Pride Month, which, oh, by the way, seemed to last for a year, put this out. Get it? Uh, the Rainbow Bullets? Yep. All about celebrating pride, celebrating diversity, celebrating the orientation of individual Marines. This is so counter to what military culture is supposed to be about. It's not about those things. It's about the uniform. It's about the mission. It's about shared values, right? American values, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. You don't have to advertise your orientation, straight or gay, anywhere in my opinion, but 
they won't stop. Marine Corps may drop ma'am and sir over gender neutral concerns. Yep. Uh, the rest of the military may do it as well. Employing gender-neutral identifiers eliminates the possibility of misgendering drill instructors, which can unintentionally offend or cause discord. This from a University of uh, Pittsburgh study. Marine Corps may implement this policy. They seem to be so intent on going woke with the rest of the military. And again, that stuff is time-consuming. Look at all these other things that you have to worry about other than, well... Closing in on the enemy and killing the enemy and getting enough guns and planes over there. Logistics, all the stuff that the military is supposed to be focused on. Hey, going back to the sir or ma'am thing, if I could see that policy one more time. Um, strangely enough, on this one thing, I may be okay with it. All right. I never, quite frankly, when I was in the military, felt comfortable calling anybody ma'am. And sometimes the sir thing got a little bit cumbersome. Who remembers Mary Tyler Moore? All right. She moves to that new town. She's alone and she wants to meet a guy. And this happens to her. Uh, excuse me, ma'am. 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 Oh, you mean me? Yes, ma'am. Ma'am. This kid. Well, no, he wasn't even a kid. He must have been 21 or 22 years old. He comes over to me and he calls me ma'am. Ma'am. Your first time? Yeah. <laughs> Felt like it aged her. Uh, Rhoda seemed to agree. Uh, I kind of get that, actually. And the thing about sir, it can be cumbersome. Donald Trump, actually, I think it may have rubbed him even the wrong way. It can be. Well, listen to this. The general came to me and he said, sir, I know the way you like everything to be perfect. They said, sir, we'll need approximately two years. I said, how about one week? And they said, sir, you can't win. Why? Because big tech is against you. Guys would come up to me every once in a while. Sir, do you have anything to do with Russia? They call me up and they say, sir, how are you, sir? Mr. President, sir. I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think it could be passive aggressive. It's also cumbersome. And then you start to think, okay, you're in the military. Uh, how many times has this guy called me, sir? Is it enough? Is it too much? I think it might be something we get away with. Anyway, kind of besides the point tonight, I want to get back though to the really important stuff about the military. One more time, full metal jacket. It's about a team. It's about one. It's about the uniform. Uniform. Isn't that like uni one, right? Anyway, who remembers this scene from Full Metal Jacket? It's a little bit crude, but he's on to something. You are the lowest form of life on Earth. You are not even human beings. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian Because I am hard, you will not like me. But the more you hate me, the more you will learn. I am hard, but I am fair. There is no racial bigotry here. I do not look down on here you are all equally worthless. Wow, you can't say those words in the movies even anymore. Uh, but it's true, actually. It was, it did not matter what you look like or where you came from. That was the whole point. And now it's only about the differences. How sad. This also happened in the movie. And quite frankly, it's one of the reasons why I joined. Today, you people are no longer maggots. Today, you are Marines. You're part of the Brotherhood. 
From now on, until the day you die, wherever you are, every Marine is your brother. All right. I love it. I love it. Brother or sister, by the way. Thank you, Gunnery Sergeant Lee Ermey. Thank you, Stanley Kubrick. And thank you to the United States Marine Corps. Please, please don't go woke. We have to stop this. I'll be right back. All right, the whole January 6th fiasco is now laugh out loud funny. This is absurd. This is, well, it's funny. Um, we haven't gotten the report yet. Any minute now, any minute now, they're dropping yet another report about January 6th. It's going to tell the whole story. And everyone in the fake news is excited about Cassidy Hutchinson, the star witness who didn't really know much of anything. But, uh, boy, for some reason, they freaked out today. But just two hours ago, we received one of the most widely anticipated parts of the investigation, the full transcript of testimony from Mark Meadows' top aide, Cassidy Hutchinson. And, Phil, what stands out to you from Cassidy Hutchinson's transcript? We did get something new ahead of today's report. A transcript just released. Two interviews with Cassidy Hutchinson. The most recent release, two interviews with Cassidy Hutchinson. Today, we want to get back to these transcripts. Uh, I mentioned Cassidy Hutchinson earlier. Um, probably the most... Maybe the most impactful of the witnesses, uh, surprise witness this summer. That's when I it was just another confirmation that the whole thing is a farce, is a joke. Last summer, Cassidy Hutchinson uh, testified for, I think, two days, right? Hours upon hours of Cassidy Hutchinson. We already have her story, yet there's more to tell in the transcript. I guess behind the scenes, she was, uh, look, it's all hearsay, okay? Nothing, just about nothing that she said was firsthand. This is the big bombshell. I went through the transcript. I don't know what the hell they're talking. Excuse me. There's nothing big in here. And this, this little item, it's inadmissible. <laughs> no one's backing her up on it. Take a look. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. Who says clavicles, by the way? Collarbone, I think. Anyway, so compelling, right? Compelling, very compelling. It's all fake, all right? This is all something she heard from some guy named Tony. She didn't see Bobby. She didn't see the lunge for the throat, which is basically what we know about the car, impossible to make. Uh, I really feel like I'm hallucinating sometimes. And yes, the swamp, especially for some reason, Adam Kinzinger especially. Boy, oh boy, was he impressed. That's a little bit too close, don't you think? I don't like guys who do that. Uh, listen to this. Some of the things that Cassidy Hutchison, who, by the way, is a brave American, you know, 25, 26 years old. Cassidy Hutchison will go down in history as a hero, and she never sought to. She's just a young woman telling the truth with more courage than the vast majority of men in politics today. 
Wow. This fascination with her youth, we talked about it last night, and also brave. I'm sorry. You know, there are people who have spent many decades in public service or in politics, whatever. They have something to lose, potentially. Cassidy didn't have anything to lose. From what I understand, she was in some sort of financial straits and uh, wasn't having all that much success finding a job. So why not repeat stuff that some guy that Tony told her and receive all this attention? And one of the reasons why they made such a big deal about Cassidy Hutchinson, yes, is because of the optics, because of the way she looks. And they made sure she looked good. Because she didn't always look this way, all right? Very perfectly presentable. This is uh, uh, sometime, I think, in 2021. And then, well, they sent her to Rancho Relaxo, and uh, I think things, uh, yeah, I think that's part of the equation here. Um, hearsay is usually not valuable evidence. But hearsay coming from Cassidy, you can't help but listen, right? Well, actually, I should say one person did back up her story. You ready for this? A cop who was a half mile away, he heard some stuff too over a walkie-talkie. The second witness is retired Sergeant Mark Robinson of the DC Police Department, who was assigned to the president's motorcade that day. He sat in the lead vehicle with a Secret Service agent responsible for the motorcade, also called the TS agent. Here's how Sergeant Robinson remembered the exchange. Was there any description of what of what was occurring in the car? No, only that on the only description I received was that the president was upset and that he was adamant about going to the Capitol and there was a, a heated discussion about that. It's something he heard on the radio and he was 17 cars away. You ever see a presidential motorcade go by? A lot of cars. He was in the lead police car, all right? He was some distance away from the president, never saw him, heard over a walkie-talkie some guy again say that the president lost his temper. What compel? You know, you could say, why are you going here? There are so many people who believe this stuff about the insurrection. And you've got to kind of flex that muscle, your skeptical muscle, to you, because they're going to try this again. They're going to do it again. On ev they're doing it on everything right now. Joe Biden actually did it today. A little bit of gaslighting. Uh, suddenly he wants us to think that he is uh, not about political combat. He's not about bringing out the worst in America. He's all now Mr. Christmas. I sincerely hope this holiday, this holiday season will drain the poison has infected our politics and set us against one another. There's so much that unites us as Americans, so much more that unites us than divides us. As president of the United States, he has the power to emphasize that message every single day, but he doesn't. I don't know if it's him or forces controlling him, but he's taking this country in a horrible place and in a horrible direction. And, of course, this is what he normally sounds like, day in and day out, not around Christmas. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. That The Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Let's pray 
for Joe Biden because he is a lost soul. We'll be right back. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't, and uh, a relatively new entrant into the ranks of the fake news is Simone Sanders. She worked for Kamala Harris, so our heart goes out to her. Look, she's woke, she's uh, fake news, but uh, I actually, there's something about her I like. I'll get to that in a moment. But first, the stuff I don't like, her, her show and uh, her biased questions, and, uh, well, take a look. In the first hearing of the January 6th committee, you had this to say as a part of your opening statement. I'm going to read it. You said, I am from a part of the country where people justified the actions of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan and lynching. I am reminded of that dark history as I hear voices today try and justify the actions on January 6th, 2021. After 18 long months of hearings of public scrutiny, has this taken a personal toll on you? Okay, that was laugh out loud funny. Personal toll on Benny Thompson. And I'm sorry, you know, I lived in Mississippi for a while. We're over slavery. If you want to be offended in this country, wow, it's a full-time job. Remember we used to say, oh, that guy has a chip on his shoulder, right? Nobody says that anymore because everybody's got a chip on their shoulder. Anyway, Benny Thompson, um, he, he understood loud and clear. It's been difficult. I've uh, spent a many nights away from home. I've spent uh, a lot of time just trying to figure out why in the greatest democracy in the world would people want to all of a sudden uh, storm the Capitol because they lost an election. You know, normally in a democracy, you settle your differences at the ballot box. Uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but under no circumstances, do you tear the city hall up? Except if uh, you're Black Lives Matter. Except if you're Antifa. Then you can tear up city hall. You can tear up police stations. You can, uh, you can do whatever you want. And it's somehow beautiful. It's somehow glorious. Anyway, back to Simone Sanders. Uh, I'm not sure which part of the segment here is, but I actually have something in common with her. And I wish she wouldn't focus so much on the externals, more on the internals. Listen to this. Growing up, I used to watch the news all the time. As a teenager, I know, very weird. And uh, I used to think when sitting there watching the news, why are they saying it like this? Strange thing to think, and I often thought it around politics. And then I realized later on that politics isn't anything but a bunch of people who get in a room and decide what the messages are, and then they tell a bunch of other people how to communicate those messages through events, through press, through all kinds of things. The part I liked is um, she read the newspaper a lot as a kid. And if you did that and you're of a certain age, that was unusual. I went to the library during lunch to read the paper. Nobody else did that. I listened to AM radio. I kind of understand where she's coming from. And it did make you a little bit of an oddball. And I get that. Um, I don't get this part, though. The people in that room didn't look like me, okay? Not a lot of them, at least. They weren't young. They weren't bald black girls from Nebraska. They weren't from the Midwest. So that's what got me interested in politics. And now we're in the White House. I, I don't know. Just to look at 
the outside, not what's on the inside. It was no less intimidating for me, the world, because I was white. I was freaked out, as, uh, as most people are, especially when you're young. You don't know what to expect. And aren't we all in this together? Didn't Joe try to say something like that not too long ago? All right. Do you know who this guy is? Mr. Baker. Uh, this is the Forrest Gump of FBI lawyers. What a piece of work he is. Um, general counsel at the FBI. Uh, we learned about him about two weeks ago. He had a big job at Twitter. He goes from the FBI to Twitter, and he was the big guy saying the laptop is bogus, okay? Baker repeatedly insists that the Hunter Biden materials were either faked hacked or both and a violation of Twitter policy. Baker does so over email and in a Google Doc on October 14th and 15th of 2020. You got the former top FBI lawyer saying that the laptop is a fake. This guy was also uh, back in 16, 17 at the FBI, actively working against Trump. Remember Michael Sussman? The lawyer who in his part time was investigating uh, things and thought he had some valuable information to bring to the FBI. He shoots Baker a text. You have availability for a short meeting tomorrow. That's how well he knows them. Baker responds. Oh, no, he keeps going. I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Want to help the bureau. He was working for Hillary, of course. Uh, what does Baker say? OK, I will find a time. Next, uh, this is how chummy they are. 2 p.m. at my office, do you have a badge or do you need help getting into the building? Uh, no problem, I have a badge. Just give me the, uh, the room number. I heard his name again this week, Baker. Back in 2016, he was advising uh, Jim Comey that Donald Trump should not be let off the hook, that you should imply that he's in trouble. Listen to this. This is a Comey getting ready for his first big meeting with Donald Trump, and he talks to this guy, Jim Baker, ahead of time. The FBI's general counsel, Jim Baker, argued powerfully that such an assurance, although true, could be misleadingly narrow. The president-elect's other conduct was, or surely would be, within the scope of an investigation looking at whether his campaign had coordinated with Russia. All right, so it's so weird what Comey did. He goes with the dossier, but you're not under investigation. I want to assure you of that. But Baker says you shouldn't say that because we're probably going to be investigating him and it's all very messy. It's all very, very swampy. All right. Hey, one more thing. Carrie Lake, do not count her out. That superstar out there in Arizona. I do believe in my heart of hearts, she probably got more votes than uh, Katie Hobbs, who hid during the entire campaign. But we don't know for sure. But maybe we will. Uh, first of all, Election Day, it looks pretty obvious that Katie Hobbs, who was in charge of electioneering, she was the Secretary of State, may have, may have allowed sabotage to happen that day. The long lines, the printer jams, the ballot screw-ups. If this were a Republican Secretary of State and the roles were reversed, oh boy, MSNBC would still be anchoring live shows out there. Um, and a lot of folks do feel like Election Day was sabotaged, and that's when Republicans come out to vote. If the tabulator goes down and they have to come to our poll center, you know what this means? 
It means that they're still checked in at another poll center and being forced to take provisional ballots, which are not being counted. We walked in to vote and they said, if you're voting Republican, I'm sorry, we have no ballots for you, but you can leave your phone number and if we get any, maybe we will be able to call you back. The machines actually misread my ballot about seven, eight different times. So I waited for them to, the machine actually to accept it and then it ended up getting accepted. These are the machines that don't connect to the internet. But they wouldn't connect to the internet, so we couldn't, we couldn't start our day. Voters began to show up, and we started explaining to them what was going These on. These are we valid stories, and it looks like they're being heard. I mean, really heard. Not just, thank you for your story, sit down, but take a look at this. Carrie Lake is making uh, judicial progress. Uh, two allegations headed to trial. Claims dealt with machine tabulator issues and the ballot chain of custody, which allegedly caused votes to go missing and the illegal ballots to be tallied. That's very interesting, don't you think? And there is precedent for somebody who becomes governor, but the election is said to be invalid, and that person has to step down. It happened in Arizona, I mean, a million years ago, back in 1916, but they thought that uh, Campbell had won. Uh, George Hunt was convinced that he won. Campbell becomes the governor. Uh, 10, 11 months later, after a couple of uh, trials, uh, they realized they were wrong. And George Hunt, the second place finisher, becomes the first place finisher and becomes the governor. I hope that happens for Carrie Lake, and I think it will. I'll be right back. Greta Van Susteren is back. She's on Newsmax, giving you the really big stories without the spin. Watch The Record with Greta Van Susteren. She's smart, tough, and always fair. Don't miss Greta's new show. So, last year, America lost a war. Afghanistan. And it was in the news for, what, three days, maybe four, um... Do you remember the Taliban taking over the palace? You remember that? I mean, that happened, everybody. Taliban's running Afghanistan right now. And the reaction in America, especially from Pentagon brass, ho-hum, yeah, it happened, and uh, we will focus our... There's a bunch of bureaucratic mumbo-jumbo. The only person who really demanded accountability uh, was former Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. He made a remarkable video uh, in the heat of the crisis, saying things that had to be said about senior leadership and the horrendous mistakes that had been made. He's out of the Marine Corps now. He got into some trouble over that. Uh, put out a pretty interesting book a couple of months ago, Crisis of Command, How We Lost Trust and Confidence in America's Generals and Politicians. We thought we'd talk to him again about the uh, continued woke craze in the military. Uh, welcome back, Colonel Scheller. How are you? Thanks for having me back on, Greg. Excited to be here. You bet. Hey, I want to talk about the book and Afghanistan and a couple of other things in a moment. But first, um, you're a Marine, and I'd like to show you this new policy that at least seems to be under consideration. Uh, no more gender talk at boot camp. Let's go ahead and put that up on the screen, if you don't mind. Marine Corps may drop ma'am and sir over gender-neutral concerns. Uh, employing gender-neutral identifiers eliminates the possibility of misgendering drill instructors, which can unintentionally offend or cause discord. Not yet the policy, but it certainly seems to be going that way. What do you think? I did some research on the two people that did the study, two PhDs, University of Pittsburgh. Neither of them have military experience. Uh, one did some athletic development for the military, but neither of them ever served. 
And I think that's a problem right now. The military is outsourcing to a lot of university PhD types without experience, and they're not necessarily doing what's in the best interest of the military. My concern is that the senior military leaders don't have demonstrated that they don't have a lot of courage when there's policies pushed down that may not be in the best interest of the warfighting organization. The guy in charge of the Marine Corps Training Command, uh, General Farrell Sullivan, was the, the general that was in charge of the evacuation, the one star that planned it. So a lot of those same people are getting moved up into positions where some of these policies that don't make sense, you would expect them to have some moral courage. Um, I think this is a little bit too far. I'd like to think that the senior military leaders are going to push back on this, but uh, crazier things have happened. Yeah, you know, one of the things the senior military leaders seem afraid of is getting yelled at or questioned when they get to Capitol Hill, which sometimes happens, and they have not been impressive in pushing back. It seems like all of it is designed to keep them out of trouble. Why, are, why do you think the generals were like this? They weren't always like this. What, what happened? It's a, it's a systemic problem. When you do a 40-year career, which is what it takes to be a four-star general, at each step of promotion, it's not performance-based, you have to impress your boss. And so you, if you become singularly focused on impressing your boss, that's what we produce. And so at the end of the day, you have people that are willing to do what they're told to make sure that their boss likes them. It's about self-preservation, it's about career advancement, and it's not what's in the best interest of the macro military uh, system. And so what we need is people that can stand up and it might come at expense of their career progression. But when everyone is so focused on their individual advancement, the system deteriorates, as we can see that's happening now. It's interesting. Lots of people in the military, almost all will sacrifice their life for their country, but very few will sacrifice their career. It's kind of a kind of a conundrum. It kind of doesn't make sense, but it's in a weird way. It's kind of admirable, but at the same time, it's not. Hey, do me a favor. Stick around. We got uh, one more segment. We'll be right back. The Pentagon, the Puzzle Palace, they sometimes call it. Our military's headquarters um, over the past couple of years, not many years inundated with all of these new practices, values, all this stuff, and it's extremely time-consuming. We're back with Stuart Scheller, 17 years on active duty. He left active duty last year. Hey, can I ask you, um, 04 to 2021, that's a long time. You saw the change. Tell us how radical the change was, and this stuff that sounds great, diversity, equity, and inclusion, takes a lot of time, doesn't it? Absolutely. When I was an operations officer at the basic school, I was preparing briefs for Dakowitz, the defense advisory for women. Uh, this was a congressional panel. And as an operations officer where I should have been planning how to train and educate young lieutenants, I spent most of my time providing statistical surveys to congressional panels on how to be more inclusive. This was around President Obama's time frame. The Marine Corps even did a panel with an integrated task force, provided all the data and Ray Mabus basically said, I don't care. This was the Secretary of the Navy under Obama. said, I don't care about your data. This is the direction we're going. And so that was kind of the departure point where facts didn't matter anymore. And there was agendas that was pushed because politicians have such absolute control over the military that it's, it's easy to push political agendas, especially when you don't have senior military leaders that can push back. Well, here's a senior military leader who did not push back. He was a commandant of the Marine Corps at the time, and he's uh, basically abused by a senator. His reaction, I think, is uh, very telling. It's a little on the long side, but uh, there's a lot to learn here, potentially. Let's go ahead and roll it, please. Uh, stay, stand by. 
I can tell you, your answers today are unsatisfactory. They do not go far enough. And I would like you to know what you intend to do to the commanders who are responsible for good order and discipline. All of this behavior is in violation of Article 120 and Article 34, as so stated. They are violating the code of criminal justice. You know, know, you've heard it before, but we're going to have to change how we see ourselves and how we do, how we treat each other. Um, That's a that's a lame answer. But, ma'am, that's all. That's the best I can tell you right now. I saw I saw complete capitulation, a defeated man and also essentially throwing the entire Marine Corps under the bus because the, the culture of the Marine Corps is a good one, was a good one. Uh, your thoughts, please. General Neller was pretty much a defeatist his entire commandant his ship. Um, that was just his personality. But to your point, the congressional members that are identifying sexual assault, it is a problem in the military. But the deeper problem is that the UCMJ does not function effectively. Commanders uh, have lost bias. There's not a judicial arm in the military like there is in our government. The same commanders that lack moral courage oversee the judicial process, and it is broken. So when congressional members identify one problem, they're actually misdiagnosing it. The problem is much larger, and it all roads come back to poor leadership. And General Neller, I think, epitomized that. Check out his book, please. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, former uh, Crisis of Command, How We Lost Trust and Confidence in America's Generals and politicians. And I hope you're thinking about a political future or public service. Uh, I I sense you are. We are out of time. Yay or nay? Yes? No? Maybe? Yeah. Yay. Okay. Very pleased to hear that. We'll be right back. And thank you. Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow. I'll be here.